0: Researchers are working hard to determine the cause of more than 500 cases of lung illness affecting e-cigarette users. Eight of those people have died. But even before this outbreak, e-cigarettes had divided the medical community. The American Lung Association says bluntly e-cigarettes are not safe. But the American Cancer Society on the other hand says they are quote significantly less harmful for adults than smoking regular cigarettes. Another complication, the latest figures show nearly 5 million children use e-cigarettes. Hello and welcome to another season of the Merck Manual's Medical Myths Podcast. I'm your host, Joe McIntyre, and with me today I have Dr. Judith Prochaska. Dr. Prochaska is a professor in the Department of Medicine at Stanford University with the Stanford Prevention Research Center and a member of the Stanford Cancer Institute. Dr. Prochaska is a licensed clinical psychologist as well, with a focus in addiction medicine. Dr. Prochaska, thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me, Joe.
0: So we have Dr. Prochaska on to talk about a topic that has been discussed widely in the news uh, and also at schools, quite frankly, across the U.S., this topic of vaping and specifically childhood vaping versus smoking and how those two topics differ and how, in many instances, they're similar. So, Dr. Prochaska, I'm going to start with a maybe a, a seemingly easy question, but I'm sure that has a complicated answer. Is vaping just as bad for your health as smoking is? Is it healthier or is it worse?
1: Few things in this world are as harmful as a combustible cigarette that you're lighting and burning and then inhaling the smoke. Uh, so, it, it should be that vaping is less harmful than a cigarette for the individual. Um, Some caveats are that e-cigarettes are not well-regulated, so they come in very different shapes and forms, and they also haven't been on the market for very long, so we don't have a solid understanding of their long-term effects. Uh, But when studies are done and look um, at the the chemicals that are in, um, say, the urine of individuals who vape versus smoke, those harmful factors that we see tend to be at lower levels among those who vape versus smoke.
0: Now, we all know that vaping and smoking are different. They physically look different when, when you're smoking them. What is the chemical difference, I suppose, between vaping and smoking?
1: Uh, one of the difference, because again, you're not burning, you don't have um, carbon monoxide. Uh, so that's a, a key difference between the smoke versus the aerosol that you breathe in. Um, however, both can have um, volatile organic compounds, which we call VOCs. Both can have cancer-causing chemicals, heavy metals, um, So, and both uh, tend to have nicotine. So that's the addictive uh, constituent in uh, tobacco, be it delivered from a cigarette or from an e-cigarette.
0: Now, a myth that we see quite a lot online and asked uh, every so often on the Merck Manuals is this idea that vaping actually makes the smoker consume more nicotine than versus a a typical cigarette. Is that true?
1: So, um, you know, it all depends on how much you use it. So, again, e-cigarettes come in very different shapes and sizes and different nicotine levels or different nicotine strengths. Uh, One that has been very popular in the marketplace, including among youth, is Juul. And a 5% jewel pod, which may sound like it's not very high, 5%, uh, it's actually equal to about a pack of cigarettes. And then again, it's just a matter of how much are you using it. Now, um, for a young person to to smoke a cigarette, um, parents are likely going to notice it, smell it. Um, It is, you know, harsher to inhale. Uh, so it could be easier to, um, you know, kind of secretly use the jewel pod and in that regard, get more nicotine than you might from a, from a cigarette.
0: So it's not necessarily that apples to apples, one cigarette equals one puff or one whatever of a jewel, but it really depends on how much of that jewel or how much of that vaping liquid you consume?
1: Right. And then one pod would be equal to about 20 cigarettes. It might look, you know, deceivingly less because it's a, it's a smaller package to carry around. Uh, so it is, it's a substantial high level of nicotine that you're getting from the Juul. Uh, it also can be deceiving because, again, it's a it's a smoother um, way to inhale it. It's often flavored by like, you know, it used to be mango and uh, cool cucumber and, and uh, menthol, mint. Um, so it can seem, again, less harsh, easier to take more in than, say, from a cigarette.
0: Now you just mentioned those flavorings whether it be mango or cucumber or caramel or whatever it may be. Do those flavorings actually add more harmful chemicals to vape pens than uh, a cigarette would have or are those flavorings more natural that they're really not harming you that much?
1: So they're not natural, they are chemicals and some of them some of those chemicals have been shown to be cytotoxic, so um harmful to cells in the in the lung tissue. Uh, An example would be diacetyl, which is the chemical that's used to create creamy flavors in uh, e-cigarette devices. Uh, That was shown to create something called popcorn lung, which individuals who worked in popcorn manufacturing plants were showing lung damage from inhaling that chemical. Um, So, you know, that is something that's more unique to, say, e-cigarettes to cigarettes. However, cigarettes also have harmful additives uh, that are added to them. Sugars, when they're burned, create um, aldehydes, which are cancer-causing. So, you know, both, both being harmful.
0: Now, one question we see asked quite often is this idea that people who use vaping actually get more addicted to nicotine than those who smoke traditional cigarettes. Is that true or is that just a myth?
1: I would say we we don't quite know yet. So um, you cannot randomize, uh, you know, novices to e-cigs versus cigs. That would be unethical to initiate use of an addictive substance that can cause harm. Um, so we don't have the kind of data you might like in terms of a randomized design and seeing um, over time who, who you know uses it more compulsively, has a difficult time quitting, and so forth. So what we are seeing is that, you know, a rapid uptake of e-cigarettes, uh, among young people, uh, to a far greater extent than there's, than they are using combustible cigarettes. And that's been the concern. Um, and when you started off asking, you know, which is more, uh, you know, harmful e-cigarettes or cigarettes at the individual level, if you take a chronic smoker, you switch them completely to e-cigarettes, that should be a good outcome, you know, less harmful. But at a population level, uh, there is the concern that e-cigs could be more harmful because we had seen such steady declines in smoking in young people, and this is being reversed in terms of nicotine exposure with, with greater nicotine exposure now because of e-cigarettes. Uh, so at a population level, we're seeing greater nicotine exposure among young people than we would have otherwise.
0: Now, we mentioned young people here, and this potentially could be a scare tactic that parents use, but I want you to to correct me if I'm wrong is vaping more harmful to teens than it is to older adults
1: yeah no I've I fully endorse that yes so the developing brain um, the your brain continues to develop into the mid twenties and in particular their frontal lobe region which is where there's decision making capabilities impulse control uh, and kind of reward centers and so you 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 want to protect the brain until it's fully developed because it's still forming and prioritizing pathways. And when you introduce a substance, an addictive substance like nicotine or say cocaine or heroin, uh, all of those drugs operate on the same brain regions. And what happens is that you see that the kids find these drugs far more rewarding than natural rewards. Uh, so if you put kids in a in a, a brain scanner and you show them pictures of rewarding, you know, tasty food versus, say, a cigarette, those who have smoked, their brains light up more for the cigarette visuals than for the food. Um, so again, and then the concern is that you start to prioritize these drugs over other things that would be rewarding in the environment.
0: Now, something that was introduced to cigarettes many, many years ago, uh, I know this from watching way too many episodes of Mad Men, but this uh, this thought that filters, uh, when they were introduced to cigarettes, made them quote-unquote safer or protected the smoker from inhaling as many harmful chemicals. Do these filters do anything at all?
1: Filters were a, um, a technique to encourage consumers that this was a safer way to smoke. And so they come out um, marketed to a greater extent in the in the 50s when there's the cancer scare. Uh, And so, and there's actually a quote in the tobacco industry documents, um, that, the illusion of filtration is just as important, uh, or even more important than whether it actually were to filter anything out. Uh, if filters truly, you know, were effective, then you wouldn't be able to bring any smoke in. And then, furthermore, with filters, it's been shown that you can breathe in smaller particles, and you may be inhaling more deeply, and so those smaller particles are getting more, uh, deep, more deeper into the lung tissue and causes cancers that are are uh, more difficult to to find. So. Filters did not provide any kind of health protection and, if anything, more harm because people did not quit smoking. They continued to smoke, and they may have gotten these different kinds of lung cancers.
0: In many cases, it would be it's the illusion of uh, a safer alternative or a safer cigarette uh, that may cause people to smoke potentially even more, thinking that they're ingesting fewer harmful chemicals when actually they're quite possibly ingesting more.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: Now, what are the risks of vaping things other than nicotine? I know uh some of these these vape pens allow the smoker to ingest other things such as marijuana or or otherwise. What are the risks associated with that versus nicotine
1: right so you you know you'd have the potential harms of the substance that you're uh, vaping so you know the um, whatever that drug may be. The other kind of more specific thing is that there are different cutting agents used for certain substances. And for example, with cannabis, um, because it is uh, lipid soluble, it needs a fat to be able to enter uh, the bloodstream and lung tissue. Uh, whereas nicotine is water soluble, it goes directly in. Um, and one of the cutting agents that was being used was vitamin E. Uh, and while it's um, fine to ingest a pill like vitamin E as a supplement, it is not good to um, heat that up and create an aerosol and, and put it on your lung tissue. Uh, so there were um, problems with lipoid pneumonia and um, people uh, being put on lung machines and even deaths. And this was termed EVALI, uh, e-cigarette vaping associated lung injury. Um, So that was quite serious. It was about a year ago, and um, those cases have gone down, but still very much advised uh, that people be aware of what they're vaping uh, and to avoid, in particular, vitamin E.
0: Did you know you can use MerckManuals.com to find in-depth content about hundreds of medical topics, including those that may be difficult to spell? Simply browse by using the letter spine search function on our website. It's the best first place to go for easy-to-understand medical content. Now, you had mentioned a little while ago that vaping uh, would potentially be less harmful for a long-term smoker than smoking traditional cigarettes. Um, as someone who's an addiction expert, uh, would you, I don't know if the word is recommend, but uh, would you say that vaping is a, an effective smoking cessation tool?
1: We don't know. The jury's still out. Um, The way e-cigarettes came into the market in the US, uh, there was some litigation against it to try to stop it because nicotine's a drug, and ultimately the courts allowed uh, e-cigarettes to stay in the marketplace because they were deemed a tobacco product. Uh, And it was stated further that to stay on the market they could not make therapeutic claims, that is, that they would help people quit, there'd be a treatment. Uh, if they were to make therapeutic claims, they'd need to have um, approval from the Food and Drug Administration as a therapeutic uh, device. No e-cigarette company in the U.S. to date has been approved for that, um, so you need randomized controlled trial data, uh, and that evidence in the U.S. has not been developed. Um, further, as a researcher, my hands are tied. I, I can't conduct an RCT of e-cigarettes, a randomized controlled trial trial. Uh, because the companies would need to um, gain again approval to do those kinds of studies. Um, that said, there are there's observational data. Um, you know there are you know some people who quit with e-cigarettes, um, and there uh, is a randomized controlled trial that was done in Britain recently uh, that showed that e-cigarettes outperformed uh, other forms of nicotine replacement therapy. Um, the one caveat there is that. At one year, among those who quit with e-cigarettes, 80% of them were still using those e-cigarettes. So it may be that people are essentially transferring their addiction from cigarettes to e-cigarettes.
0: So, Dr. Prochaska, why—maybe this is a a difficult question, too—why do people start smoking? And are there ways to prevent people from smoking before it happens, either yourself individually or preventing others from smoking?
1: Yeah, so why do people start smoking? Often it is, you know, something that you're doing experimentally, maybe socially. Uh, you think it looks cool. Uh, you someone you look up to, be it a role model or a um, actor, actress, social media influencer. So it, you know, it looks like something fun and exciting and you know, interesting to try. What starts as experimenting, though, if you continue it, um, it does start to change your brain. Um, So what we see is that these receptors in your brain, acetylcholine receptors, they upregulate and they're also called um, nicotinic receptors because nicotine binds to them. Um, So you get more of them in your brain that helps to unlock the neurochemical dopamine, which is a feel-good hormone, um, which creates a surge, feeling of pleasure. um, And so that feels great. Your brain lights up. Um, Problem is that nicotine doesn't last very long in the brain. Uh, Half-life is about two hours, it goes away, and your brain gets hungry for the nicotine. You know, where's the nicotine? And so what felt good now uh, feels badly, and you become, you know, hungry, craving for that drug. Uh, So what starts as experimenting becomes more of a um, a behavior that you're compelled to do. What started as a positive reward um, becomes more of a negative reinforcement where you're using the drug so you don't feel badly to prevent someone from smoking. At the population level, the um, efforts that have been done, one is to prevent the uptake among young people. As we discussed, the brain is developing, so you wanna put off any drug exposure until uh, into the 20s. And so now at the federal level, uh, to sell cigarettes, uh, retailers cannot sell cigarettes to people under 21. And so that's one effort. Uh, You can raise the price of cigarettes so that young people are are priced out of it. Uh, You can regulate the advertising of cigarettes. So it's been off TV and radio since the early 70s, um, whereas e-cigarettes are allowed to be on TV and radio. So um, that's something that could be curtailed in the US. Uh, Putting controls on social media, uh, advertising and and paying of um, influencers to, to, to promote product keeping cigarettes and e-cigarettes out of movies, out of video games, um, keeping them out of the home. Um, another way to um, reduce the likelihood of people taking up cigarettes or e-cigarettes would be regulatory action to reduce the nicotine content, the actual nicotine that is in the rod of a cigarette or the level of nicotine that is provided in the e-liquid in e-cigarettes. And that that is an effort that the Food and Drug Administration is um, reviewing.
0: Now, you mentioned uh, advertising towards towards children and, young, and younger adults uh, when it comes to vaping and e-cigarettes, uh, and th- that's obviously been curtailed a bit, but how do parents uh, at the individual level, how should they talk to their children about what the dangers of e-cigarettes and vaping are? I think most of us have had conversations with our folks about the dangers of cigarettes and the dangers of alcohol, but... Vaping is a, is a relatively new phenomenon for, for younger for younger people. So how should parents approach that subject uh, with their children?
1: Right, so I, w- I would encourage to approach it like you would approach any other uh, topic where you want to open dialogue, you know have open-ended questions, ask what your child uh, understands about nicotine, about e-cigarettes, uh, anything they've learned in school, um, you can ask if they're friends. Um, if they've seen other kids using these products, because um, that can be an indirect, effective way to get a sense of the extent to which your own child might be exposed to or using um, the drug. Yeah, I get a sense of, of, of what they've heard about it. And I would you know, just be open and honest in terms of um, talking with them about potential uh, harms and perceived benefits. Um, I, I would not take a heavy hand on it. Uh, I would not be extreme in my approach to it, um, but rather would talk about you know yes it might seem exciting it might seem neat to blow these clouds of, of vapor um, you may see you know some popular kids using it um, but what are the the other potential consequences you know it can be costly it can be potentially harmful to your lung tissue to repetitively expose it to chemicals. And then also that you can get addicted to it. And so rather than being a behavior that you choose to do, uh, it becomes a behavior that, again, that you feel forced to do, that you can't concentrate unless you can get that next hit of nicotine. Um, So just weighing the pros and cons of any behavior and um, choice you might make.
0: Now let's say someone we know or even ourselves personally has built up an addiction to e-cigarettes or to traditional cigarettes or nicotine in general. Is there an effective way for for this person to to quit smoking? I know there's been tons of remedies uh, that I'm sure people have seen from gums to patches to cold turkey. Is there an effective way to stop?
1: Yes. So there are effective treatments for quitting smoking. Uh, and I can go over those. Um, For e-cigarettes, there's not much out there in terms of research and treatment, Um, given that most clinicians are relying on what's been shown to be helpful for quitting smoking and seeing if if that works for quitting vaping. Um, Proven for quitting smoking in adults, the combination of cessation medications with behavioral support, Uh, The medications include nicotine replacement therapies, the gum, lozenge, patch, inhaler, and nasal spray. Uh, There's also a mouth spray that's outside of the U.S. and likely to come to the market. Um, There's medications, pills that you take to help with withdrawal and um, block kind of the reinforcing value of of smoking if you do have a lapse. And then the behavioral counseling can be motivational. So uh, it most people want to quit smoking 70%, and yet most fail. Only about 7 to 8% are successful in a given attempt. Uh, so um, maintaining that motivation can be challenging. Uh, and then also behavioral strategies, essentially re-engineering your environment, learning new coping strategies for dealing with stress and withdrawal. Um, no other drug is dosed as frequently as nicotine is with a cigarette or also now with vaping. Uh, So that constant hit to the brain of nicotine, that rewards so many uh, activities become conditioned to the drug nicotine. So you get up in the morning, you take a hit, you're having your coffee, you take a hit, you're driving the car, you take a hit. And so it's deconditioning those behaviors so that you're not reaching for that cigarette or e-cigarette, and that's the behavioral aspect of treatment.
0: Now, as we wrap up this episode, uh, I want you to tell me, if you can, where individuals can go uh, if they're looking for information about how to stop smoking, how to quit, or how to talk to their children, or how to learn more uh, about the dangers of e-cigarettes and vaping, where should where should people go?
1: Online, highly highly recommend the National Cancer Institute's SmokeFree.gov. Uh, that's a website. It's a texting program. It's apps. They have a, a quit line as well. Uh, they've got tailored content for teens, for women, for older adults, for veterans. Uh, Spanish language, uh, so it's a really excellent evidence-based um, resource for quitting smoking or, or helping people who you know to get to get treatment. Um, the quit line also highly recommend, that's 1-800-QUIT-NOW, uh, That's a national number that when you call, you're directed via your area code uh, to your state resources. Uh, they provide counseling by trained coaches, they can provide local referrals. Uh, Some counties provide free cessation medications, uh, so that's a great resource as well.
0: And of course, Dr. Prochaska, as an author uh, of the Merck Manuals, you recently released an editorial talking about just this topic, the dangers of smoking versus vaping, which is available on merckmanuals.com and msdmanuals.com for those outside the U.S. and Canada. Well, Dr. Pochaska, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. I think it was really, really enlightening to hear not just about the dangers of smoking versus vaping, but how to quit and how to prevent people from starting these habits before they even begin. So as a sign-off, as we say at the Merck Manuals,
1: Medical knowledge is power. Pass it on. Thank
0: you so much.